welcome. It's good to have you back, truly. It's good to see you. It's good to talk movies with you. You've been bouncing around. As you mentioned, you just got back from L.A. You are literally spending two seconds at home, and then you're going to London. (laughs) And then you're coming back, and you're doing it all over again. So welcome back to the pod. We're making time to do some after credits, but tell me about L.A. Tell me about working on the Paramount lot. I do have a couple questions, but overall, how was it? It was amazing, first of all. Uh, I will say because of the strike, I think I had a pretty unique summer in that it was pretty slow. So I worked at a production company on the Paramount lot and not a lot was going on on the lot. It was pretty empty most of the time uh, because nothing's shooting there, obviously. And, you know, there was, you know, the strike outside every single day. And I it honestly gave uh, me a chance to talk with the employees at the company because they had a little bit more free time on their hands. So I got to learn a lot about the industry and just see, you know, what was coming in and out of the office, like in terms of scripts. And I worked at uh, the company that does Transformers and does a lot of big action movies. So I was reading a lot of scripts that honestly aren't my personal style, but it was cool to get kind of a different side of the industry and see those, you know, those big budget films and and kind of the more action um, crazy, you know, films and and see what those scripts are like. So when you say your style, what does that refer to? Because you said you read a ton of scripts. Was there, were they good or what defined them as not your style? It's more the genre in general, definitely more focused on the action and I guess less on more the characters and their personal relationships, which is like what I really care about. Well, yeah, didn't didn't Transformers come from your production company? The new yes. Transformers. Okay, yes. yeah, that makes yeah. sense. No, no diss to your production company, <laughs> no, but that no. movie is full action and a you know minimal character development. So, okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, no, and and honestly, the great thing was that so as interns, it was really great because there were a lot of us, and so we became friends and went and saw movies together all the time, and we saw. So they also did the Meg too. Oh, nice. And, okay, there you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, so we saw both films that came out this summer together. And it was interesting because we came in the next day with like our thoughts and, you know, pretty critical thoughts, obviously, if you've seen the films. <laughs> and they were super open to talking talking with us about them. And, and they had a lot of the same thoughts. You know, it's it's we were mostly interacting with the assistants of the, the big producers who are like obviously really important as well. And they do a lot of work and and for, for the company and and so it was really cool to get to talk to them and hear their opinions and them get to listen to ours. Are there stipulations? Are there limitations? Like, did they open up and say, yeah, you know, that's a good point, but we can't do that. We're under a giant umbrella that's called Paramount and we <laughs> we just don't have that creative freedom. Or was it just simply like, wow, yeah. you're, you're right. I will provide that feedback. That's great. How did that conversation go? It was, you know, they definitely have their limitations. I think it was just more of a conversation Honestly, like they weren't saying, you know, oh, we we would never be able to do that. They were kind of just talking with us and they want to hear our feedback on everything, on scripts, on the books they give us to read. Um, That's what I was doing majority of the summer was just giving notes on scripts and and books. So what books did they give you to read? So some of them like haven't been published, but it was a lot of this. It was a lot of there was a lot of thriller action. It was a lot of the same genre. But honestly, some of them are pretty good. Um. And so were the, some of the scripts. I live next to, he's he's like an improv guy, but he's in film. So he writes scripts. He's like, I've been writing since I was five. And he's probably, 
you know, mid to late thirties or so. And we had, we started talking and he's like, yeah, like if you think about the foundation of a script and how it's written, it's literally every single film is written under the exact same formula. And it's funny because being somebody who was obsessed with film, I never knew that. Like when he described it, he called it like the seven points of, it might just be the seven points of storytelling. I'm not sure. But it when he walked me through, he's like, think of your favorite films. They're under the exact same umbrella. They do the same thing. So I imagine if there's a book or maybe an article or an essay or something that these producers are, are you know, referring or recommending, I imagine they're like, hey, we get it. You're ambitious. You have a lot of thoughts. But when it comes down to actually making this film, here's how it works. Here's how you would intertwine those good ideas. We're going to have to include some fluff here. And I don't know, actually, I have zero clue. But that's what would go through my head. Yeah. And I I took a screenwriting class uh, in college. And so that definitely helped me kind of get a handle on what is good structure and what is actually good writing, because it's hard to know until you read it. Like last summer, I worked for this pretty reputable writer and his scripts were just incredible. And so reading, you know, it's it's interesting reading all the different kinds of, of what gets submitted to the company because everything's getting submitted from the agencies. And so they're not, you know, we're the first ones to kind of vet them in a way. Do you know how many scripts are coming through? I don't know the, I don't know the exact number, okay. but we all get different ones and there were probably like 15 interns. So is that what you were doing? Were you reading scripts and like, what what was your what was your responsibility with the scripts? Yeah, so basically we do coverage, which uh, if you don't know what script coverage is, essentially it's a document that's pretty formulaic at like most of the agencies and then at like pretty much every production company. And you write like you know the title of the movie, all this kind of stats about it, like what's the genre, um, if anyone's attached, who's the writer, etc. And you give a little log line and then you give a synopsis, which is like three pages. That's the thing that takes the longest for me because it's hard. You have to read the script. I try and read the script first and then go back and do the synopsis. But at a certain point, I was just writing it as I was reading because it was taking so long. And then you give comments. So comments are like a few paragraphs. And basically, that's just commenting on the structure, the characters, you know, the ending, um, kind of everything, like your thoughts about critical thoughts about the script, like good and bad. Okay. So I'm sure this would be different for everybody, but what was your average time that it would take to read a script, to do this work, you know, or maybe just the script itself? I think people, rarely do people read scripts. And so I think there's a fascination of, hey, a movie is two and a half hours long. How long would it take me to read a script? Is it the same? Does it match? Is it different? So what was your scenario? So it definitely varied depending on how much I liked the script. I think I was it was hard to trust, you know, my instincts because people were telling me like, well, you're going to get through it faster if you like it. But then I, w- I would be like, oh, am I just being kind of lazy and slow? Like, I don't, you know, I would, you know, go on my phone, whatever. But I think on average, I say it's supposed to be a page a minute. That's kind of how you're supposed to go about it. I probably take a little longer than that if I'm just reading it straight through. The thing with coverage is I have to like take notes for myself and you know, I go through it. And like I was saying, I kind of write the synopsis with it sometimes. And so that way takes a bit longer because you're kind of writing as you're reading. So you're not kind of taking in the full script. So are you thinking like five to 10 minutes per page just so you can notate and kind of like, I don't know, and some pages might go shorter, some pages might go longer depending on like the meat of the story. But is that somewhat what you're looking at? Yeah, kind of. And, you know, it depends on the length of the script and what the, you know, for me personally, like what the genre is. And if there's a lot of um, 
like text, if there's a lot of stage direction, that can take up a lot. Um, if it's just dialogue, sometimes it flows easily. So it really depends. But I'm trying to be faster. How many scripts were you pumping out each day? One? Two? Every day, one. Every day, one. one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One a day. I don't think we were expected to do more than one a day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, um, well, okay. Before we, we jump forward, because I know we got a lot to talk about. Yes. I, I do. <laughs> yeah. No, the, don't be sorry. This is so fascinating to me. I'm curious, was there a script that you believe will get made because you just thought it was that good? Or did somebody else, uh, you know, uh, as part of your internship, say, yo, this script is incredible. I hope this gets made. Would any of those come to your mind? So there was two things. There was a um, a pilot. So we read a few pilots and the company that I was working for didn't really hadn't really dipped their toes in TV yet. And so they were getting a few pilots, which were really cool. Um, there's one pilot that I thought was really interesting. It was kind of like a, it was, it was like a thriller. It was kind of about this, the capitalist like system and this man kind of climbing through, but it was also funny. I don't know. Um, and then there was a podcast, which I had to listen to a podcast and do coverage on that. So that was interesting. It wasn't a script. I mean, it's no after credits, but yeah, I mean, you yeah, gotta, of course, you got to yeah. listen to something, right? I mean, I've been gone for two weeks, you know, you, I didn't, I was pumping I them know. out one week or one at a oh, time. No. So exactly. That makes sense. Um, okay. But yeah, it was kind of like a documentary podcast almost. So that would be, get turned into a, a fictional story. This is great. I think your experience was so cool. We were, we were staying in touch the entire time. You came on a couple episodes as well while you were there. And then we would text, you know, we'd say, hey, you know, how's it going with the strike over there? I know once again, by the time of this recording, the strike is still going on, which is kind of bonkers. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see where we're going. We have a lot of movie news. Should we talk about that? Yeah, that's yes. what we're talking about today. Movie news. I, you know, when I talk about this on TikTok, I call it the latest news in Hollywood. So I think we're going to call that the latest news in Hollywood. All right. Well, before we jump into kind of the, the nitty gritty news, or at least what I've found kind of intriguing. I do want to get your thoughts on festival season. We have some movies that have been talked about. There's a lot of hype going on. Venice just wrapped up. We have TIFF going on. I believe TIFF might have wrapped up too. I'm not sure. And then Telluride is is right around the corner. So I will share this list and I'm sure there's plenty more, but these are like over amplified, such as good receptions. Obviously, I've not read any reviews, so I don't know what to credit and what to discredit. But here are the movies that have had the most hype, I should say. So number one, and I should, and this was on down on my list, but I'm going to put this number one because I've heard so many people talk insanely high of this movie, and that is Poor Things. That was down on your list? Well, I just like writing it down. Like I'm, I didn't, <laughs> oh, I didn't rank them. It was just oh, like down oh, okay. on my list. I was like, okay, I need to mention that one first because everybody's talking about Poor Things. Have you heard anything about Poor Things? Oh, of course. <laughs> That's like of course. in my top three anticipated for the rest of the year. What are sure. the other two? Um, Saltburn and Maestro. Nice. Okay. So Saltburn is not on my list. I have not heard too much about it, but I'm sure I, it looks great. Yeah. The only reason it's on my list is because I love Promising Young Woman and it's the same director and writer. Yeah. And the trailer looks great. It looks True, really, really, really great. interesting. Yeah. Great cinematography. The score sounds great. So I'm excited. I mean, granted, it's a two minute trailer. I don't know what to get from it, but um, other ones, these are out of order completely. So don't take this. I just had to mention four things first. So The Killer by David Fincher. I'm hearing that this film is not like his other films. David Fincher tends to have a pretentious vibe. And that's not, a <laughs> I'm not saying that in a bad way. He just, no, yeah. he, he comes across very stiff. Like, hey, this is the way it's going to be. And I don't care what you think. So just, just chill out. 
Whereas I hear the killer is so comedic and it's very like witty. Oh, and it's, okay. it's just a little off tone from what David Fincher is typically used to doing. So I'm excited. I'm a big Michael Fassbender fan. What about you? Yeah, I'm excited. Honestly, I was just talking to my friend who's like a massive David Fincher fan. And she is really excited. Like this is her top movie. She's She cannot wait. Um, I'm less of like, I don't know his work as well. Obviously like Gone Girl and like his, his work I know, but I'm less of like a, a thriller person. But I'm excited. I'm definitely going to watch it. He does kind of stick to that world. I mean, if you think of Seven, which is one of my favorite films exactly. of all time. Exactly, right. Of course, Seven. Zodiac, you know, he's he's really caught in like the dark, dark movie. And Gone Girl is such a perfect pick because it's right up that alley. So yeah, The Killer, I'm excited. Uh, Michael Fassbender is also in another film that's getting hype called Next Goal Wins by Mr. Taika Waititi. Yes. And the trailer is awesome. <laughs> I don't I know what to think about this movie. Like I have zero clue. I, Taika's all over the place. I don't. I don't know what to expect anymore. I truly don't. I think it looks good. I really like his comedy. I really, I find him really funny as a person and, uh, and his work as well. And the trailer has literally played at every single movie I've seen in theaters in the past like two months. So I've seen it a lot, and I, I think say, it's really funny. You know it pretty well at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think it looks good. I like it. I'll be honest. I haven't seen Taika's old work, the work that got him his start. I haven't seen what is it? What we do in the shadows is that one of them? Mm-hmm, or what? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, have you seen Jojo Rabbit? That is my favorite of his. Yes, that is an absolute gem. That's that's where I discovered Taika. When I watched that movie, I was like, this is this is near perfection in this movie. So yeah, I don't see. That's what I'm saying. You get that movie. And then you get Thor, <laughs> and then we're getting a movie about uh, a soccer team or a rugby team, I can't remember, who can't score a goal and they lost a match like 31 to 0. Like, what? I don't. Taika's all over he, the place. I think he's really all over the place, for sure. But I kind of appreciate that. Yes. I think it's yeah. I think it's exciting when a director does like, like you know, the kind of polar opposite to what we were just talking about, David Fincher, who kind of sticks in the dark and the thriller. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. All right, I'll list off. I'll list off these other ones. Let me know if there's one after the fact that kind of piques your interest. So we have Priscilla by Sofia Coppola. We have Ferrari by Michael Mann, starring Adam Driver. Uh, they were all at Venice, and then we have Maestro by Mr. Bradley Cooper, who's getting controversy over stuff that he shouldn't be getting. I, I don't know, but that's nor here nor there. There is a lot of controversial elements, not only to his prosthetic nose but also to the story so i'm excited to see that one and then we have origin and hitman which have been kind of peak of my list which i did not see much about them before going in and so hitman stars glenn powell mr top gun maverick and then origin i just barely learned about this movie and i don't know the synopsis i don't know what it's about but there's a it got like a massive standing ovation i think the biggest at venice i think is where it premiered and so I'm excited. I don't know much about those films, but is there one on that list, uh, Maestro, that piques your interest more than any of the others? Maestro for sure, just because I'm a big music, musical theater girl and Leonard Bernstein, I don't, you know, I kind of grew up with his music. I love his music and I've heard it's more about, or it has a lot to do with his relationship with his wife. It's like less of a biopic yes. uh, than more of their relationship. Um I've heard that his estate and his family like really loves the film and supports Bradley Cooper and like everything. And so that to me is kind of the telling sign. No matter the movie's quality, just like the things that people are kind of that there's controversy over. Also, 
I'm excited to watch any movie that has controversy because that means there's going to be a conversation around it. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then I'm really excited for Priscilla because I was not a huge Elvis, uh, Elvis the movie person. And I'm excited to see this new different take. Um, obviously, Elvis, on the other hand, his estate is not super happy with this one. I've heard. Yeah, it has nothing to do with him. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, exactly. he's literally he's, a filler. He's a seat filler in this movie by Mr. Jacob Elordi, who could not be more handsome on that red carpet. My God. Oh, my gosh. this He has really made that jump. Like, there's certain actors, and this has been happening recently, honestly, with Glenn Powell, too. Like, the kissing booth to where he, Jacob Elordi is at now is crazy. Like, there's just some actors that have so much charisma that they can really do that. I don't know, seamlessly almost. Like he, Make that you jump. know, did you, yeah. yeah, from Kissing Booth to Euphoria to now like all these critically acclaimed films. Is he in Saltburn? Yep. Yeah, that's right. He is in Saltburn. Okay. Great cast. Great cast. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I've heard great things. It's not, like you said, it has nothing to do with Elvis because it's based off of uh, a, a book, which was, uh, by, what is it, an autobiography about um, Priscilla. Yeah, literally about her. Priscilla she, Presley, yeah. Yeah, she, it's based off of that book. And Sofia Coppola has such a great record with just making intimate movies that tell a really good message at a high level. So I don't know what her dad's doing. I mean, I'm waiting to hear about Megalopolis, which was a hundred million dollar <laughs> flop. Apparently. I don't know where where is this movie that Adam Driver and Shia LaBeouf and everybody else is starring in? I don't know. But Sofia Coppola, I'm here for you, so, too. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't she's, worry. Yeah. How do you feel about 2023? Like, let, give me an Oscar pick. Give me your best picture too early, too early, too early, too early. Do you pick. have a guess of what I'm going to say? I mean, I have a guess because it's going to win. Yes. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously. Absolutely. You know, I will say, though, Past Lives has a shot, in my opinion. This this movie is in, in maybe not best picture, but it has plenty of opportunities to win other awards. Oh, it better it, win something. It's near perfect. That film is near. That might be one of, if not the best romance film I've ever seen. True romance, so no rom com. It's just no, it's no, no, and it's like just so human too. Like very just all the relationships, not even just romantic, but like love in all of its forms. Oh, it's so beautiful. Any f- film that could give Oppenheimer a shot for its money. <laughs> Literally, <no. laughs> I just I'm I'm not even talking about my personal opinion. I'm talking about what I think the Academy is going to pick, and I I mean it's kind of a like no competition unless. Something comes out at the end of the year that like blows everyone's socks off and Maestro's like freaking insane and like or something like that. Yeah. Uh, some film that comes out is crazy. But with the marketing that they've done with, you know, the opportunity for them to do a lot of it because it was kind of before the strike and just the the box office and just visual insanity of the film, I really think it's going to. It's just going to blow everything up. Like, I just think the votes, like, I... Yeah. I'm going to predict. I'm going to predict. Poor things, I think, might come out of the shadows. And once again, I don't want to put too much hype. I might hate this movie. This movie might fucking (laughs) suck. I have no idea. But I'm going to just put my eggs in a basket of people I trust, critics I trust, sources I trust, and say, poor things could give it a run for its money. Um, And then apart from that, I don't know. I've, I've heard good hype about movies. Like Killers of the Flower Moon, I I don't know. Like I right, okay, right. Uh, yeah, maybe other things. Maybe like cinematography or something else. If it's like anything, I mean, I've heard it's good from my friends at Cannes. That's all it. 
but flex subtle flex um but if i but i didn't see it so it's not really a flex yeah no no yeah we, we have no opinion here okay yeah, yeah exactly. you, were, you were at can but you didn't see it so yeah it doesn't count but yeah but if it's anything like some recent source scorsese i don't think it can pass oppenheimer i really All don't right. I, I i'm coming here with the hottest take we might have talked about this i'm not a scorsese fan I'm gonna say I'm gonna say right now. Really, like even old stuff. I think so. I will say he has his intimate few that I very, very much enjoy. I enjoyed um, Goodfellas. That was a great movie. I enjoyed Wolf of Wall Street. Great movie. That might be the extent. Oh my god! Shutter Island. I was not a fan of. I think this. St- I think the story of Shutter Island is so <laughs> good. It's so good. But it was so anticlimactic. It was so like the ending. I was like, dude, what? you could have. I just think his cinematic style is so different than what that movie needed. Like, it's so different. Like, put that script in somebody else's hand. Like, put that in a David Fincher hand. Oh, my. No, I know. That movie I would know. be so different. So I don't know. He kind of has this like, oh, I will say The Departed. Really, really good. I was going to say The Departed. Okay, really, really good. Yeah, I, I would have to look at his filmography. But I will say when it comes to like the majority versus the minority. I think I side with the minority of his like projects being good versus the majority, but he's still a legendary filmmaker. I think it's fair. And I think it's also like from our perspective, it's like there's so much uh, greater filmography that's come out in the past, you know, like I feel like when he first made his like a debut, I guess in cinema, like he was breaking breaking ground in a way yeah it was like him and um francis ford coppola and then like george lucas steven spielberg maybe a little bit but like yeah but like he was you know he was one of those like founders kind of of like the modern cinema um but i do yeah i think his films can feel a little antiquated sometimes like the irishman too long i don't know if you saw it yeah too long what are we doing if you're gonna make a four-hour film I will say props to Zack Snyder because Justice League was truly entertaining. Like, I was hooked the entire four hours. Was it a phenomenal film? No. Whenever I hear that now, I just think of the Barbie line. <laughs> what was... Wait, oh, wait, which one was You know, in Barbie, when, when they reference the Zack Snyder Justice League. They they reference the Godfather. They reference everything. And Pride and Prejudice, the BBC version. The BBC version. That's right. That's yes. Right. But you feel good with movies so far? I know we're about to enter true peak season where like the best of the best are coming out. Okay, I really have to talk really fast about like one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life that I saw two weeks ago. What is it? Um, Bottoms. Okay, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's just like from my unique perspective, but I had the best time I've ever like ever in the movies. My friend and I went. It's such our humor. Like we just were laughing the whole time. It honestly made me feel like Almost how Barbie could have made me feel. It took more risks. And I understand that's probably due to because they were more independent and it was like their idea instead of folks, you know, instead of being IP driven. And Bottoms is just to give you know, reference. Bottoms is the film about two lesbian friends who are trying like they start a fight club to try to lose their virginity to some cheerleaders. Is that right? Yeah, they try. They try and get with like these two hot cheerleaders and it's like two kind of nerdy girls um, it's Iowa Debery, who you'll know from The Bear, She's and great. Um, Rachel Sennett, who was also in Shiva Baby, which is the same director as Bottoms. They wrote and directed. So they both, it's like a really cool story, too. It almost reminds me of like a 
like a modern day um, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon because they like met at NYU and they all were like, tr- you know, trying to be creators together and actors and writers and directors. And they made Shiva Baby originally. And then um, and then this film, which is just so good. And it's doing really well, like critically, I think. It's and killing box it. Box office. Yeah. Um, which I'm so glad because this could have flown under the radar. And it's so funny and so just like out of the box crazy. It's definitely not everyone's movie. You know, it's it's very campy, violence, like... Oh, it's just so good, though. I just love it. Because comedies have kind of disappeared from the cinematic world, from the theatrical world. Are are we back to that? Are we moving back I to where so. I people so. are wanting to go to the theaters? Because that's all it takes. If people go to the theaters, movies will say, cool, let's go to theaters now instead of going straight to Netflix or Hulu or, you know, Max. It would have not else. been the same if I saw this by myself on Netflix. It just would have been different. Like, it was such a fun experience in the theater because we were just all laughing so hard and like yeah it was great did you go drunk did you at least like no no literally no it was amazing it was all right honestly the best movie experience i've had this year or maybe ever wow it was incredible i like that's not gonna sound good on the other end i just yelled into my mic so hard i best (laughs) movie experience Ever. No, 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 no. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I, let me preface. I went to Cannes this year. Movie theater with my one of my best friends. All right, here come the stipulations. Here's like the fine print. For anybody who says, hey, you can get this for free, just make sure this is the fine print. Okay, give me the fine print. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Obviously, I had some incredible movie theater experiences this year. But just the experience of going in Philly with my best friend. We also like know a lot of the actors in the film and we were just fans of them and just the the content and the just ridiculous like it's just such a ridiculous movie but it's so funny i loved her um her letterboxed review of the movie what's her name io um yeah she's like me she, and my friends are in this <laughs> yeah me and my friends are in this so i was like that's yeah. great Fifty five thousand likes on that review it just like it feels so present and like they really were not afraid to like do or say anything in the movie and it I think it just really connects with like our generation. Yeah, I appreciate you for including me in our. You know, you're about to say the, the you like, know, our right, generation. Like you know, 20s. Okay. yeah, I'm young. Okay, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, I am 27. I am a young buck. I'm a young. Yes, buck. Yes, you are. What are you talking about? By the way, I'm. I'm. This is accountability check right here. My buddy and I were meeting this weekend. We are planning a spooky short film. We're gonna make one for. Yeah, it's gonna be super like mom and pop, but we're we're gonna make no. One. That's a, great. He's a videographer who's exceptionally talented, and I was like, "Yo, you have any interest in making a spooky film?" And he's like, "Yes." So that's awesome. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. Don't trip. By the way, it's done filming. Yes, I was gonna ask about it. I saw done, and it's in post. Yeah, so hopefully we'll we'll submit to festivals in like January, February. So a lot of things going on, but a lot of things happening on the bigger scale. So first and foremost. Mr. Quentin Tarantino, one film left called The Movie Critic. Uh, It takes place in the 70s. It will be filmed in L.A. It sounds very nostalgic. From what I'm reading, Quentin Tarantino, like this is truly his last film. He's said it again. He's confirmed. And by doing that, he said, I'm making this film strictly in L.A. This is where I started making films. I'm going to end making films here. And it's rumored by an insider, which seems to be prominent, that he has found his lead role. So, or his lead actor, which he offered the role to Paul Walter Heiser. So from 
Black Bear, what? Blackbird. Yes, you know who I'm talking about. Whoa. Okay, I have not read this yet, so this is exciting. Wait, really? Oh, wow. That's so. Oh my god, he's so talented. He's incredible. He's so talented. From from the report that I read is that Quentin Tarantino really admired like what he needs for the role is the quirkiness and like kind of the the off tone nature that Paul Walter Hauser can provide. So I think that those are just going to match up. And if he accepts it, which, you know, you're you're asked to star in a Quentin Tarantino movie, you're not going to reject <laughs> it. But if he accepts it, this will be one of the most fascinating movies because tell me a Quentin Tarantino movie that didn't star the biggest star in the world. You know, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson. Also like a very like stereotypical leading man, which yes. I, Pearl Walter Hauser isn't. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Quentin Tarantino? Like old, new films? Like, do you like them all collectively? Do you hate them all? I enjoy his movies. He's not like... Like, I have a friend who's literally obsessed with him, like favorite director. He's like his god, basically. And we saw him speak in Cannes, which was the best day of his life, my friend's life. You are not... Correct me if I'm wrong. You are not a fan of his persona. Am I, am I mistaken No, so that? That, that's what I was going to say next. Yeah, I don't love his, like, opinions on certain things. And he's... You know, I respect that he speaks very freely about everything. And um, he certainly has... Not controversial, but, you know, he's just pretty outspoken. And I respect that he's... He decided, like, this is my last movie. I'm not just going to keep going and maybe making shitty movies. Like, I'm... This is... We're done. They're very crisp and and clearly he takes a lot of inspiration from his the inspiration. Like he showed us a movie in Cannes. That was like the whole thing. He like showed us uh, Rolling Thunder, this film, which is not my kind of film. And but clearly like, you can see, you know, he really just loves movie making. Um, and that's exciting to see. Like he really is so knowledgeable about it and really smart. And you can see that, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of his his personality, <laughs> but you know that has that's kind of near here nor there, um, in terms of his his art and his movies. You know what's funny is I think his personality, which I don't know, I've never met the guy, I don't know who he is. I've, well, yeah, I've seen me interviews, but <laughs> but yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean you've you've at least you know been he's he's presented to you, you know he's talked to you, he's he's at least been there, you've seen him in a persona outside of an interview that I'm looking right, at, right, 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 and I think. It's weird because he's probably one of the few filmmakers where his quirky, maybe, you know, borderline just eccentric personality actually helps his directing style because it sounds like he's very much like, this is my set. We're going to do things right. Whereas Christopher Nolan's like, hey, by the way, you know what you're getting yourself into. You'll just be you'll just be fired if you do anything. So he's like super subtle about it. Whereas Quentin Tarantino is like, I'm going to yell at you so you understand this movie's fucking good. Like this. Yes. Is, yes. This is a good movie. He is very overstated and like and and clearly loves it and so and has made you know really pop famous and exciting film. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is I think a really good, really good movie. Really good. Um, really good movie. But yeah, there's just certain things that it's not. Obviously, like a lot of his films are very like male dominated and like just masculine centric, which you know, to each his own. It's just not like my uh, always my favorite to to watch. Would 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 you define Quentin Tarantino as a misogynistic? Like, is he like a misogynistic individual? <sighs> Damn, really, Spencer, you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I would personally say his movies kind of depict that. Like, he at least enjoys writing from a misogynistic standpoint, whether that says he is or not. But just as a, a writer, as a filmmaker, like, maybe so. 
you know, that, that's at least what he's shown us. I don't want to speak directly about his character because I don't know him personally, but in terms of his writing and his characters, I mean, that's kind of clear, I think. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? No, I don't think so. I kind of like them Django all. Django Unchained. Okay, so I haven't seen it. What? Oh my God. This this movie is, it's been in my top 10 for so long. No, 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 no. Like, I, I like can't believe I just admitted that because honestly, I, I need to watch it. Did you it. see my genuine reaction? I feel bad for people listening that they could not see the way I felt. No, no, no. Spencer that. is flabbergasted. Like, I'm I'm red in the face. I'm tearing up. Like this is because he's just yeah. He's someone I came to later. Like because I wasn't like a you know film girl, and so he, I came to him so later, so much later. And honestly, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was my first one that I watched, and so then I started watching. I will say not not that you don't like watching movies, but I do think that there's a massive difference with people who truly love creating the art of movies and people who love watching movies all day long like i think there's a true difference like you can have like intertwined but i i view you more on like the artistic side like you know the world of cinema because you're delving into the actual world of making movies and what it takes and what the environment is whereas you know a lot of people i would say 99 percent of human beings they kind of know what film is from the seat of the couch or the seat of the theater and there's nothing wrong with that so yeah don't don't be too harsh on like saying i didn't get into the film world (laughs) later on like you're, no, you're, no, 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 you're doing know, some cool things. Yes, but I do need to watch that. It's it's on my watch list. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. When you do, let us all know the entire world, the entire you know million people listening to this. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Are you excited for Wonka? I can't tell. Ooh, no, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely excited to watch it. I'm gonna see it. Okay. So Wonka director, Paul King, who did the the Paddington films, still haven't seen Paddington 2. I'm sure people out there would react the same way I just reacted to Django Unchained. Wait, before I dive into this, is Paddington 2 actually that good? Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to no. say anything else. You just need okay, to okay, just deal, watch deal. it. Yeah, don't, don't spoil anything. All right. I'm going to watch it on the way to London. I just decided. <laughs> deal. I love it. Deal. I love it so much. Uh, so he shared with Total Magazine. So Paul King was in an interview with Total Mag- Magazine, and he said that Timothy Chalamet... His singing voice reminds him of Bing Crosby. He says that he just has like the utmost range. He said that there are musical numbers in this film that are very show. He used the word showstoppy. Like he's very much like big, big. And then he says that there are some incredibly emotional, intimate songs. And he says Timothy Chalamet can do it all. He's truly, he said that he's like, I'm fan. He's like, I'm going fan crazy over him speaking to you in this interview. But that's the way he feels. So, wow. He doesn't define this as a musical. He said, yes, there are musical numbers, but just like the standard, you know, the the books, you know, about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, those had a ton of songs, but you never felt like they were musical oriented. So, like, yes, there's a musical element to this, but no, we do not define this as a musical. What do you think? You know, I know you're not too hyped, but like, are you hyped to hear Timothy's voice? I just think it's interesting because he's obviously played a very specific type of character in pretty much every single thing he's ever been in. Um, what is that type? Let's hear it. Just like a tortured young <laughs> white boy. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're actually like not pretty wrong. much everything. Like you think just about nailed it, dude. The, you just nailed the entire <laughs> script of Beautiful Boy. I know <laughs> exactly. Like I'm interested because this is maybe it won't be a departure. Maybe it's well, Willy Wonka is pretty tortured. But definitely leaning on more of the whimsical side. So I'm excited. I'm 
I'm definitely excited to hear what his voice sounds like. But I will say he did go to LaGuardia High School, which is a very big performing high school in New York City. So I don't think this came out of nowhere. It didn't. Yeah. Definitely has been working on that voice. He said he found him from his YouTube videos from when he was in high school. So I guess he's saying and they have he's like he's like it's Timothy Chalamet. It's he's easy to find on YouTube. There are hundreds hundreds of thousands of views. So that boy never goes out of the news. He is just he stays. He is so famous right now. Now that Dune was pushed to March of next year, I mean, he's going to be in the news next year and then he's going to portray Bob Dylan in a biopic. So he's busy. He's busy. He is busy. Are you a Beetlejuice fan? Okay, so I think we talked about this last time um, about the second film. I'm indifferent. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a huge Tim Burton person. Okay, that's fair. Do you? Is there a side of Tim Burton that you like versus maybe the majority of his other films? I don't know if I'm like informed enough <laughs> to talk about him. He has a, he has a very very just prominent tone to everything. For sure, he- which I appreciate. I respect. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's matching everything. I didn't get to go see Dumbo, funny enough. I did not even know he did that film. but I didn't hear it was very good. Yeah, no, I didn't hear that either. And he felt like he was confined quite a bit. But in regards to Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice is a day and a half away from finishing. Like, they are so close to being done. They said once the strikes end, they will literally need a day and a half, and then they'll be done for their 2024 slate. That sucks, first of all. I know. That they had to, like, tear down everything. Yeah, that is... <laughs> That's brutal. I, I will say what I find fascinating, so with the first film, you know, it's 19... I believe it's 1988. This film is so, like, hands-on. It's puppeteering. There's a, there's genuinely a lot of puppets, a lot of handmade crafts, a lot of homemade everything. And Tim Burton and Michael Keaton, in separate interviews, said that they did the exact same thing for this film. So there's a lot of puppets, a lot of hands-on, improvising. Oh, exciting. It's, like, super loose, and Michael Keaton, <laughs> yeah. he literally said, like, um, I don't have the exact quote on here, but he said, this is the most fucking fun he's ever had making a film. Like, he said, this is I think is we truly... talked about this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so in that, that's when that interview came out, is when he, um, when he talked about just how enjoyable it was to just be an actor, to truly improvise, to truly be present in the moment and not feel so stiff and not feel controlled by everything. So, yeah, Tim Burton's excited. There are puppets, handmade props. Um, they're making everything up as they go. And so that's what's been creating the buzz is, you know, you have Willem Dafoe in the movie. You have Winona Ryder returning. You have Jenna Ortega returning or not returning, but Jenna Ortega starring in it. So a good cast. I'm excited. Yeah. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if this peeks through your, your so non-Tim coming... Burton tone. Oh, well, that hasn't finished production yet. So that'll be a while. Yeah, I believe it has a slate of September 2024. So if everything hopefully smooths out in... My guess originally was October, November. I hope it does not go further than that. But no, you're giving me a sad look here. Do you have insight that I don't know that this is just going to go on forever? I don't have insight, but people are saying the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. I know. That's not good. I know. Well, in other news, since, you know, a movie that you didn't get to go see, Killers of the Flower Moon. um, (laughs) (laughs) This I did not know this. So apparently Martin Scorsese had essentially his entire script planned out and they were getting ready to like move forward and then there was a realization between him and his co-writer that they needed to change the entire script so the original script was in the narrative of leonardo dicaprio as 
the sheriff or as yeah as the police officer who is now being played by Jesse Plemons so Leonardo DiCaprio took on a different role after the rewrite but the reason why they rewrote it is because the film structured way too much on like the white savior idea or like just like old white men and so Martin Scorsese was like hey I want this story to focus on Lily Gladstone and her character's marriage with Leonardo DiCaprio's character and then everything else will happen around them. All the Asagi murder, the murders that happen there in the FBI investigation. So I found that pretty admirable of Martin Scorsese, who is very much seasoned as a, a filmmaker, to put in so much effort and say, ah, we have to literally hit the drawing board again and kind of restructure this entire script. But any chance that this competes, any chance that Leo gets another Oscar, any chance this goes anywhere in awards races... I think Lily Gladstone has a high chance. She's definitely going to get a nomination because everything that I've heard about the movie is that she is truly, and that's great because that's honestly really nice to hear from, you know, an old white man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frank, like, reckoning with his own work. I think that's great. And I've heard that it is really her movie and she, like, shines. I think she would get the nomination and might win because, honestly, Oppenheimer, there's not really a female lead. And you have Margot Robbie and Barbie. Yes, yes. I think Lily Gladstone would win over her if it came. I, mean, you, I literally haven't even seen the movie yet, but just from what I've seen and- Another and prediction, Emma Stone. True, Emma Stone could win again. I heard they cut, I believe this number's correct, 30 scripts worth of dialogue for her. Like the original script had much more, just a lot of talking, a lot of talking- and she was very grateful that they cut it back and it was more kind of an intimate, expressive persona rather than I need to talk and say all these lines and just have such a blurby, you know, yeah. scenario. And I think that will help her. because I think she- that's what inundates Scorsese movies too, is the excessive dialogue. And so I'm glad that they pulled it back a little. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We'll yeah. see. Barbie is setting Oscar campaigns though. So they, they set their campaign for original screenplay. I believe I heard Ryan Gosling is uh, running for best supporting actor. If he wins this award, I'll I because I you don't think I he deserves like, it or well, no, I think he's amazing. But I was talking to my friends and they were like, "No way! Like that'd be crazy." My friends who aren't in film, they were like, "That'd be so crazy." Because Barbie is, I feel like if I wasn't kind of in the world and I didn't, I wasn't following Barbenheimer or whatever, I would really just see Barbie as like a fun comedy, like a fun movie. But it's really interesting that he, because I I like that you know comedies are getting in kind of the Oscar because I would classify it a comedy. Yeah, um, for sure. I don't know. We'll see. But I think it would be hilarious if he won. <laughs> I think it'd be. I think it'd be very funny. And I I don't know who's really in the Oscar races for any category to be honest because we haven't even hit the you know the massive season, but. Right now, it seems like the talk is Robert Downey Jr., maybe, as like another one. But yeah, I don't really know. I do think uh, Ryan Gosling's performance is admirable just because of how far stretched it is from him being an actual human being. It's like just a genuine different person. So No, he's like too good in that movie. He Yes, it's my personal favorite role that he's ever been in. And trust me, I love La La Land. I love The Notebook. I love Blade Runner 2049. I love them all. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. All right. One last bit. One last bit. So are you a Mamma Mia fan? You pegged me as a Mamma Mia fan. Am I a Mamma Mia fan? 
Wow. This is one that I wish I was recording the video because there have been reactions that have just been too good here. So I'm assuming you're not, but I'll continue anyways. So Amanda Seafried, who I imagine you're a fan of, she says that Mamma Mia 3 is very much likely if, there's a big if here, if Universal is willing to pay fairly, which she's she then followed up and said, in that case, I don't believe it's going to happen, but everything else would point to it. Every single, everything else would point to this being a massive possibility if Universal can pay us all equally what we deserve. So what are your thoughts? I'm not a big Mamma Mia fan, but I know Mamma Mia is very culturally present. So what do you think? I mean, I'm a little crazy. I'm like obsessed, but I was in the I was in the show my senior year of high school. I think it would be so fun, to be honest, like I'll be I'll be uh, diplomatic, I guess. <laughs> I it's kind of a it would be like an extraneous film. Like it would be, you know, fun and like a great summer movie. So I don't know if like that's close to happening just because of everything that's going on and probably all the movies that have been pushed back. So I don't know how soon we would get that. I thought the story of the second one was um, like pretty great, um, but the story would need to be good. And that's obviously really important. So you're not going to like me for this. But when I watched the first one, I was very disappointed. And it's been a while, so I'd have to rewatch it again. But then I watched the second one and I was like, yo, where was this? This movie's actually enjoyable. This movie's fun. The pacing is is fast. It's light. There's a lot more going on in that movie than the first okay. one. Okay, I think the first one is it's just so nostalgic, like for that time. I'm one of the few people who did not like that movie. <laughs> so don't take my word as like that is how it should be. My mom, by the way, my mom is like such a Spencer fan, is literally going to turn this off. <laughs> she no, no. What's your mom? I know her by your Instagram handle. What's your mom's Kim, name? Kim. 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 This is this is particularly to you, Kim. Don't be offended. <laughs> I'm open. I can watch Mamma Mia. I'm I'm open to it. Okay? Oh my gosh. But no, Kim, thanks for the support. I truly appreciate it. It's always nice when she's uh, commenting and sharing stuff on social media. Yes. So I will say Amanda Seyfried has been one of the actors who's been really vocal about the strike, along with like Jessica Chastain, who has also been speaking just really eloquently about it. And I appreciate that Amanda said that because look just looking out for the actors is one thing but like everyone in the crew is like a huge aspect of of movie making in general and like everyone puts in so much work so i think that's a good kind of ultimatum or stipulant or whatever yeah especially because mama mia will make over a billion dollars i would i would genuinely imagine like close to <laughs> it that, wait let's see wait how much did the first two i don't think make? so okay <laughs> wait not let me see how much the second one made yeah see how much the second one made. am i like out of my mind here thinking, i think it, i think it's a little less than that mama mia two why oh here we go again was that in 2018 yeah 2018 i did not know it was that recent i thought it was like 10 years ago oh no 2018 Okay, so this movie had a budget of seventy-five million, and it grossed four hundred million. So, oh, I mean, amazing! That okay, not a billion, but this movie will, and I and I'm saying will, an absolute definitive will make half a billion dollars if they make a third one. Okay, so if they're going to make a third one, just negotiate. Truly. Especially watch it if they use it like this is Meryl Streep's last, like this is her career end. <laughs> Meryl's like, it's not my last, but I'll say it's my last. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If they like play that card, it's the last one. Because people always just love an ending. 
Or they want to see. They want us at least go and see one. We, we need a trilogy. We need a trilogy. You know, we, <laughs> we, we need, need a them. trilogy. Yeah, we do. I nailed it. I'm, I'm, I'm advertising for the Mamma Mia fans. Anything else? Anything else on your mind, at least currently? Movie news, movie life, going to London. Are you going to watch movies in London? Yeah, I'm hoping to go to the BFI London Film Festival. Beautiful. Because you can get like a student pass. So hoping to do that Um, because they're playing some films from Cannes that I didn't get a chance to see. But yeah, I'm looking. I mean, you know, it's tough because they've pushed a lot back because of the strike. And I have been enjoying watching, you know, the ones that got an interim agreement and seeing those actors kind of come out and speak out in support. And it, but it's still been exciting to like see the festivals are still happening and yeah, and people are you know still go- I don't know it's great to see uh, and still see the interviews or you know I think I think we have both we have both going on right now yeah for sure and you know I've talked to professionals in the industry and they're talking about both sides of the coin and just like not even both sides of the coin of like the producers and the or the studios and the and the um, writers and actors but just like the people that are literally out of work. And like can't do anything right now. And it's just crazy to think about. Um, so my heart really goes out to all of them. But I have hope. And so do a lot of the people that I've talked to. What an incredible act. Like truly. I mean, as somebody, imagine anybody listening, imagine yourself in the scenario you're, you're in with your career and your home and your livelihood to say, I know that we can get more than what we're doing or what we're getting now. We, we can get what we deserve. And you put everything on pause for months without any idea what's going to happen or how it's going to end or, or what's going to come of it. And that right there is admirable to me. So, yes, to anybody a part of the, the SAG-AFTRA, anybody a part of the Writers Guilds, truly like massive just props to you. And, and you know, you're, you're motivating people like us who love movies to keep influencing the good conversations of, hey, let's keep pushing this. Let's keep making it happen. Let's find a resolution. So, yeah. yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. And for anybody listening, truly, I mean, thank you. We've had such a fun conversation on this podcast episode. I know it's been a couple of weeks and I know it's been so sporadic, but thank you for being patient. Thank you for listening. Thank you for loving movies and joining both of us who love movies in our conversation. But we'll be we'll be back whether that's next week, which I'm hoping, but whether that's next week or next time, we'll be back. And I appreciate listening. Peace.